All right, brother. So before we even get into anything, man, I really appreciate you coming out here, bro. Meeting me up, man. The past few days, been kind of checking out some of your content, bro, and I really resonate with a lot of it, man. A lot of it I don't really have any knowledge of, so I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty interested to kind of hear what got you started in the uh, financial financial services, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for, I appreciate you uh, getting me on the podcast, man. I, I this year I really want to do like make an effort to actually show up to to more podcasts and do more speaking engagements and, and, and putting myself out there, you know, I think it's been such a long journey, 10 years now, almost like a decade. Well, it hasn't been exactly 10 years, but it's been pretty much close to a decade that I've been doing this. And man, it, it, it's, it's been a journey that I'm very grateful to have been a part of. And, you know, financial services kind of got me, Got me to where I am today. That's why it's it's my it's my lane, and I don't deviate from it. I do other things here and there, but my main focus is financial services, wealth management, uh, infinite banking. That's my that's my bread and butter. That's what I'm really good at. Awesome, bro. Yeah. So as far as having you on the podcast, man. Yeah. I mean, no problem, bro. Like, I feel like this for me at least. This is all about like collaborating with people, like making each other better. You know what I'm saying? And working with other people and. Uh, for me, bro, I was kind of telling you before the podcast, but or before we started it, like a lot of the reason I kind of started this was just through my own personal development journey. And I kind of got to a point where I was like, man, if I really want to continue to to grow and level up, like you got to get around other people who are doing things, you know, that you're not doing and, and on different levels, man, and learn from other people and, and kind of like step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. So, man, I'm blessed to have you on here, bro. And uh, we'll Thank just start you, with like what kind of got you started with the financial services. Yeah. No, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, dude, anything I can do to support your journey, I, I absolutely would love to, bro. Absolutely, brother. So, um, yeah, what got me into financial services is kind of like a weird story. So, uh, back in 2016, yeah, I think it was 2016, um, I, was, I was a Spanish interpreter uh, for a company called Siracom International. Very grateful for them um, just because, you know, it, it got me to, to the point that I was – Honing in on the skill that I was that I had already, which was being bilingual and multilingual, right? I speak four languages. So damn, do you? Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was because I grew up in Spain. My mom is Iranian. My dad is Spanish, and then uh, my dad put me in kind of like a like a half private, half public school. And because I was because I lived in Barcelona, the the school system made us learn Catalan, Spanish, and English. And then obviously I spoke Farsi in uh, in my household because my mom was Iranian. But fast forward, like I said, I, I'm I'm in Tempe and living in, in like a, in an apartment in a condo that I couldn't afford, and working ten hour shifts every day, and pretty much like grinding for the money. And then one night in May of 2016, my house gets raided. What? Yeah, my house gets raided. In Tempe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually on the news too. Uh, so, how, did, how did that like go about? So, honestly, to this day, I still don't even know exactly what happened because everything happened so fast. It was three a.m. I just woke up to my roommates kind of like, like yelling and just some scuffle or whatever. Anyways, there was a guy who tried to break into our home and just the the next few hours just was the craziest thing ever. I ended up getting handcuffed and. Holy yeah. So bottom line is like, obviously I never got charged for anything cause I didn't know what, what the hell was happening, but apparently there was, there was a, there was a drug, a drug deal gone wrong in my place, you know, but you, I was in a, you were living like a duplex or something. Yeah. I was living in a duplex okay. and I had my own lock in my own room. Cause the, the people that I was rooming with, I didn't know them. I just met them at a party. I was like drunk at the time. I was like, yeah, dude, let's live together, whatever. <laughs> and then, yeah, after that, we just roomed together. I, did, I I stayed my by my business, and you know I just didn't want to bother anybody. I was like, I'm just gonna do my work, just, and then eventually like escape the rat race if I figured it out. And I was grateful, man. Like that that day, where my house my my place got raided, lost everything because the cops obviously took all the cash that I had. They impounded my car. My girlfriend left me because I was cuffed. I couldn't call uh, my my job and and no like at least like say hey I'm not gonna be able to make it you yeah. know so they considered me no call no show so I lost my job, pretty much lost everything at that point, uh, but it was very 
it was a very eye-opening experience. Yeah, the cops took my phone too. So uh, what happened was I started applying for jobs, obviously, you know, because at that point I was living at my aunt's house and I I was like, you know, I, I got to figure it out. You know, I still got to get get some money. I can't take cops right. took my cash, yeah. you know. And this is a weird rule about about police here in the United States. But if if the cops take your cash, you have to prove that that money was not dirty. Really? Yeah, like that's a, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's that's like <laughs> it is super fucked up. It's kind of like it's the money versus the state, right? It's not even you at this point. It's just like how do you prove that the money is not dirty? Yeah, it's cash. There's no way to fucking prove that, yeah, right? You, you really can't. So uh, at that point, money's gone, and yes, yeah, so I'm just applying for jobs and stuff. And again, keep in mind, my the cops took my phone. So in my <laughs> in my mind, I didn't think to put my mom's phone number for the jobs to call my mom. <laughs> So I still had my right my phone number on the applications I was applying because I was applying at, uh, on ZipRecruiter, and obviously ZipRecruiter is kind of like one tap to apply. So I couldn't like I didn't really think about like changing the number. So like weeks pass, and I'm like, damn, like nobody's calling me back. Like, do I really suck that bad? Yeah, like yeah. I thought I had a solid resume, bro. Because I, I up until that point I had like nine jobs. So I was like, dude. Someone's gonna fucking hire me. Sorry, and how, can I cuss? Yeah, bro. Yeah, okay. yeah, Sorry. absolutely. How old were you at that point? Was it like eighteen? Okay, so you were still young. Had to be like eighteen, bro. That's a lot of 18. shit to happen, bro. For, for bro. eighteen, bro. It's, man, if we had like three hours, we could talk about my whole life. <laughs> but yeah, man. So at that point, I'm like, what the hell? Like, why is nobody calling me? Like, I'm super qualified for these positions. And then I realize the day the cops gave me my phone back, I'm like idiot i didn't put like my mom's number like in every single one of these applications that i was submitting all had my phone number so when i finally got my co my phone back from the cops i i turn it on and i see 42 missed calls oh my god from different phone numbers i'm like son of a bitch obviously i, I can't call them back at this point but then this insurance company calls me it's called american income life they call me and i'm like yeah, like, I'm super excited. Like, thank you for calling me back. I'm just looking for a job. I'm looking for a career where I can grow. And I didn't understand exactly what the job was over the phone. They told me something about payroll and shit. And mind you, at that point, I, I didn't know this was it, but it was like the type of life insurance that they sold, that, that they sell at American Income Life, the way that they pitch it is like benefit, like payroll benefit deductions, right? Kind of weird to explain, which is why I didn't understand it over the phone. Yeah. So when I showed up to the office, I was like, yeah, I'm here for that like payroll services job. And the lady looks at me and says like, payroll? We do life insurance here. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, that's what they told me on the phone. It's like, no, it's just the way that we, we sell it. We sell it as like, it's like weekly payroll deductions. I'm like, okay, that don't make sense, but whatever, I'm in. Like, just teach me what I need to do. Teach me what I got to sell. Like, I'm in. I don't want to do no customer service bullshit. I don't want to be on the phones. It's like, like nothing. Like, just teach me. What do I got to do to go sell? Because I know I'm good at selling. Because right. before that, before the interpreting job, I was doing door-to-door -door sales um, during the summers. And anyways, I had a bunch, of, a bunch of sales jobs. So I know I was good at sales. So... Bottom line, it took me nine months to get my life insurance license because I had the language barrier and I, I had like focusing problems, you know, some people were call you still it like learning English at this point or kind of. Yeah. So it's it was weird because the English that I learned was British English. OK, my accent's coming out now. So British English. And then on top of that, too, because it was only like two to three years since I moved to the United States, I had a heavy accent. I still had a language barrier. There's a lot of technical words that I didn't really understand. And then anyways, uh, fast forward nine months, I get my license and throughout those nine months, I'm still showing up to the office, not getting paid uh, because I just wanted to learn how to, how to book appointments on the phone call on the phone for the other agents. So I become one of the top bookers and the guy I was booking appointments for dude was starting to make 15, $20,000 a month because of the appointments that I was booking him. I was like, son of a bitch, dude, I got to hurry up and get my fucking license. So you started out pretty much like as a setter, like just like yeah. setting appointments yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for the dude, agents. This guy was making so much fucking money and all I was doing, I was getting paid $20 per appointment show. And you were book booking all his appointments. Every single, dude, there was a, there was one trip. We went to, uh, Farmington, Farmington, New Mexico. I booked him eight appointments for five days straight. Dude made 15 K that one week. 
And you were making what, 20 an hour, you said? $20 per appointment showed. Oh, wow. Okay. So not even an hour. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> okay, I got so it. So I was getting paid nothing, bro. Yeah. I think I made maybe 500 bucks. Okay. Off of the 15K that I made. That, well, he to, to his defense, he obviously had to close it and all that kind of stuff, right? But anyways, I put those opportunities in front of him. So I, I, that got me in my mind. I was like, man, fuck this. I don't want to be a setter. I just want to go ahead and like actually sell this shit. Right. So I got my license and then I started selling and then very quickly within the first few weeks, I became one of the top producers. And that's kind of how I got the, the name Wolf because one of the recognition events, you know, like name came up or whatever. And then I started doing the chant, like the Wolf of Wall Street chant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah and somebody said about. like, oh, it's like the Wolf of Spain, <laughs> you know? So I was like, oh, fuck, I like that. You know, it's better than Iliad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Okay. So it's Iliad Wolf. Iliad okay. Wolf Trigo okay. Moratia. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. and. Uh, it wasn't until I became a citizen in 2020 that I, it was literally two weeks before lockdowns, which is kind of crazy to think about. Two weeks before lockdowns, I went into I, I went to get sworn in, and that's when I was able to actually add Wolf as my middle name. Oh, dope! So that's like a legit that's a legit name for you. Yeah. Okay, that's dope. So you've been you've been in the business for what like six six years now? You said eight eight years. Yeah, yeah. I'm 26 now, so I started in 2016. 2016. My math is not super good, but it's like four, about, about almost eight. So I would say like probably like seven and a half, eight years there. Okay. What question, bro? So from going from a setter basically to an agent, what was like the biggest shift for you as far as like becoming from going from a successful setter to a successful agent and actually like operating on your own? Well, that's a great question. So here's the thing. So what I did, I didn't want to just become a setter. I and here's a huge, huge advantage that I had that I think not a lot of people have is that when I was setting appointments, a lot of them were Spanish. Oh, okay. And I I had to translate or I had to interpret for, for the agent. And because I, I told the guy, I was like, hey, man, like, is there any way that I can go make more money? Because, I mean, 20 bucks of an appointment is not that much. I said, okay, tell you what, you book the, the Spanish appointments, you come with me to the Spanish appointments, and you translate for me or you interpret for me. And then whatever I close, I'll toss you a couple extra, extra hundred bucks. I'm like, all right, say less. So I started shadowing him, like pretty much like every single appointment. And the ones that were Spanish, I was interpreting for him. And then inherently because of of me seeing him present and me actually presenting in Spanish, like I was internalizing the pitch in my mind. You were learning on the job. Exactly, much, yeah. dude. And I was not even licensed yet, you know, because at the point it's like at that point, I'm not selling. I'm just interpreting. You know what I mean? So I still had like the 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 loophole that I could still quote unquote sell, but not sell at the same time because the agent was the one that's selling. I was I'm just interpreting, mm -hmm. you know. So that was the biggest catalyst. The biggest catalyst was that number one, I saw maybe like 40 presentations in English before I even got licensed, and I did maybe like 10 to 15 like Spanish presentations. You know what I'm saying? And then like when it came time for me to like actually pitch to to the to the main RVP or RGA or whatever, like the main guy of our office, I knew the script by heart. So, bro, tell me about how you got your name, dog. You got a cool name. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, thanks, man. So, wolf. <laughs> yeah, Wolf. So, actually, yeah, I got, I finally was able to get it legalized in 2020 when I finally became a citizen. But how I got the name was, uh, you asked me how I got into financial services. So I kind of like explained that a little bit. Uh, Closer, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you asked me earlier how how I got into financial services, and uh, I, I kind of got in, got into it a little bit. So how I got Wolf was when I first got licensed back in 2016. Um, you know, I learned, uh, like we talked about, I learned the script and everything because I was translating in Spanish, and because I had it so ingrained in my mind and because I've seen the presentation so so many times, then when I when I got licensed and I got released to go into the field and start closing my own deals, I quickly started to become like one of the top producers. Because again, what did I learn from, from the previous nine-month experience? I learned how to be a setter. I was making 200 phone calls a day just to book eight appointments. I knew that if I booked eight appointments a day, I could at least see five of them. And I knew that if I saw five of them, I could close around 
around three or four of those deals, right? So if I did that, I could make like forty-five to five thousand dollars a week, and that's essentially what I started doing. So very quickly, within the first few weeks, I started to become a one of the top performers, and one one of those recognition events, like nightly events or whatever, like weekly. Um, you know, my name got called on stage, and when I got on stage, I started to do the chant, the Jordan Belfort chant. You did it on stage? Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a corny. It, it was very corny at the time, but I was like, I was so excited. I, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like from there, like this guy like said, oh, dude, that's the Wolf of Spain. And I was like, huh, interesting. You know, I wonder if I can adopt the name of Wolf, you know, just, but this time do it a little bit different instead of like W-O-L-F, which is what I started using at the time. You know, I was like, dude, I wonder if I can just use it as my actual name. Because it's so much easier than Iliad. Yeah. And, you know, you can spell Wolf. Even if you spell it wrong, you still, it's still Wolf, you know. So that's kind of how I got the name. And, and then... It just stuck. It just yeah. stuck, you know? One of the things that I like about your story, bro, now that, like, this is the first time I'm hearing it, is that you really took advantage of, like, the op any opportunity that you had, like, at the, at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you were setting, you weren't just setting. You were, like, trying to – you already had the vision of, like, where you wanted to be at. You know what I'm saying? So I really like that about your story, man. I yeah, think I wanted to become the best, man, because the, the thing – this is one thing that I, I, I really truly believe about immigrants and – I'm not saying that Americans are not like hard workers or disciplined, but I think like us immigrants, we have to go harder. You know what I'm saying? Because like uh, some some Americans have better opportunities just because how their parents did it. And look, I, I'm not hating on it. You know, it's like if you have good parents, like good for you. Like you, you, ha you, you want, you know, because if you have good parents that can instill good morals, that can get you better opportunities, there's nothing to hate about that, you know. Unfortunately for us, for me and my brother, like we, we came to the United States with nothing. And actually, let me take it back. We came with a dream to actually make it happen. And then we had the support of my aunt who married an Arizonian. And that's why we were able to have some sort of cushion. We were not homeless. We were not just like going through from hedge from shelter to shelter we just didn't have money that's all like we just we came here with no money uh we had a roof over our head which we're super grateful and at the time i was like man like you know my dad kind of just you know exited yeah and it was my turn i was like okay i, I had to step into the shoes of the masculine figure of the house, you know, and I wanted to take care of my mom. So that's why I was like, you know what, man, like, screw this. Like, I'm in this country for a reason. My dad built a multi-million dollar logistics business in, in, in Europe and in the Middle East. So I'm going to take everything that I know from him and I'm going to just like go hard as fuck, bro. And yeah, that's that's it. Like I, I just I took every opportunity that I got, no matter what it was, and I just ran with it until I found something that I was really good at that I could stay consistent, and that was life insurance. That was financial services. I feel like a lot of like a lot of what you're talking about, bro, that got you to the point where you're at is like seeing opportunity. You know what I'm saying? I feel like <laughs> it's real easy to kind of get in that mindset where it's like you don't see any opportunity yeah. in anything, and it's like. It's just a mindset shift, and I, when I like when I listen to your story, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. It's like, damn, like this dude saw opportunity at every stage of like your path. You know what I'm saying, so, bro? It's crazy because it's crazy you say that because uh, I think I heard Anthony Williams. He's one of my one of my best friends. He's I think he says this too. It's like people don't get to where they're at because they think every opportunity is a scam. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know if you know Anthony or not, but he's he's a forex trader, right? Okay. And when he found Forex, obviously he knew that was going to be it. And dude, he, he fucking made it happen, man. This guy is one of the most successful, genuine, generous people that I know. Uh, and it's because he didn't think that every opportunity was a scam. Dude, actually, I can tell you this, bro. I was so opportunity driven that I actually got pulled into uh, actual like permit schemes yeah. when I first moved to the United States. Again, fresh off the boat, I got pulled into Vima. I don't know if you ever got involved into Vima or Verve. I don't think I've heard of it. Dude, okay, so anybody that's watching, if they if they want to go and look up Vima or Verve, they'll find out that it was shut down by the FTC. Okay, so it was legit. Like It was a scheme. legit permit scheme. And, dude, I, <laughs> I got sucked into it, bro. I was, like I said, fresh dude. off the boat. I, I was talking like this. This was my real accent. I was like, yes, like we're going to be millionaires. Like I was – 
I was heavy, heavy foreigner, bro. Yeah. And I got pulled in, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, if you just, if you just, if you just recruit three people to spend five hundred dollars a month into this, like you're gonna become a millionaire." I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go." Easy money, yeah. dude. I started telling all my teachers to fuck you. Like I'm gonna pull up in a Rolls Royce in two years. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious, bro. man. That's that's funny as fuck, bro. So, so like you started doing pretty well in the financial services. Is it um life insurance? Like yeah, yeah. I, I look at the end of the day. Yes, it is. It is life insurance. What I what I'm licensed to do is life insurance and annuities. Okay. Now it's not what I'm limited to do. So me and Mitch, my one of my best friends and partner, he's a. He's my partner in sovereign assets, and we do a lot of acquisitions. We do a lot of commercial lending deals. Um, right now, currently, we're, we're under NDA, so we can't really talk about it. But right. we are in amidst a professional uh, major league sports franchise acquisition. Um, and me, myself, I have another business partner. His name is John May. Shout out to that guy, man. He's changed my life so much um anyways i i'm the vp of elevate capital we do a lot of business funding and a lot of like unorthodox deals like not just like credit cards and and loans but we do a lot of like refinances and big purchases with private investors and private lenders um but yeah the beautiful thing about that stuff is like there's you don't really need a license to do to broker those kind of deals or to just be involved in those kind of deals you know there's there's, there's a couple of ways to like get around it and that's what I've been able to do. But my main bread and butter, what I'm licensed to do, what I'm licensed to actually talk about and give advice is life insurance and annuities. Okay. Specifically, infinite banking. That's my main bread and butter. And I don't care what anybody says. Like, I figured it out to a way that I have ba basically no competition. So let's talk about infinite banking. I saw that was yeah. in your profile. I, I don't honestly, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm on, <laughs> I know anything about it. So what's infinite banking and what's, what's the idea behind it? Yeah. So infinite banking is very simple. It boils down to this. Infinite banking is a strategy. It's not an account. It's not a life insurance policy. It's just a strategy that uses arbitrage to be able to leverage your same dollar twice. So the way that I try to paint this picture is imagine if you had a savings account that is yielding you 8% interest that you can pull it out at the same time that you're earning interest. So therefore you have $50,000 on hand and $50,000 in your account. Okay. Does that make sense? It's, so it's a strategy where you earn interest or you make money on the same dollar twice. Okay. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like printing money at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's all a game of leverage. Okay. Gotcha, man. So, um, as far as like, you know, the financial services business, as far as like getting to the point where you're at, what would you say the past few years has been like some of the biggest struggles or things that you've had to overcome? Yeah, man. So the biggest struggle for me was actually not to interrupt you, bro, but like, I feel like every, every business has its like ups and its downs and yeah. it's like pros and its cons. So like, what's, yeah, what's there, what's some of the biggest things that you've had to overcome? Bro, I'll tell you right now, dude, like uh, a year ago, maybe a little bit over a year ago. Yeah, I would say probably like about 18 months ago, I was I was almost on my last dime. Really? Yeah, yeah. So in my type of business, it, when it comes to financial services, it's very up and down, bro. Because like you're going to have great months where you're selling a lot and you're you're setting up a lot of policies and, and just closing a lot. And then there's going to be a period of drought, you know. One of the biggest drawbacks of my industry is, is underwriting. You know, my, my deals usually take about six to eight weeks to finish underwriting and actually get paid out. So think about it, bro. It's like, if I don't have anything else in the pipeline, if I don't have any, any other clients coming in, then there's going to be, you know, the next like 30 to 60 days where I'm not getting paid. Right. You know, it's kind of like real estate, but it, it, it's a little bit kind of like real estate, huh? but it's a little bit more dynamic than real estate. Cause real estate, you make what, like four, like six transactions a year, maybe. Yeah. That's if you're doing pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. if you're doing good. Right. Like for me, I average about 50 policies a year. Okay. Right. But there, there's going to be months that I'm going to do 10 policies and there's going to be other months that I'm not going to do anything, you know? Right. So my biggest struggle, for, like for real, for real, was the fact that I was just doing it alone. Gotcha. You know, I didn't have a team because, look, I like recruiting. I'm not against it. But because of my experience with different like pyramid schemes and MLMs, I kind of have like a like a sour taste in my mouth. And now I'm very picky with who I recruit. You know, I'm always recruiting. I'm always hiring new people. But it's kind of like. I discriminate. And and before I get canceled, let me explain what I discriminate in. If you've had 
a very chill, easygoing lifestyle where your parents pretty much were there and you really didn't struggle too much and you're kind of just dabbling your feet in. You're not super sure if this is what you want to do. I'm going to discriminate against you. I'm not going to hire you. I'm not going to recruit you. I will point you straight to another company. You know, you can go work for them. Go make your money there. I don't care. Like, it's not for, like, you're not for me. And I'm not for you. Because that's why, like, me and Mitch match so well is because he's gone through a lot of shit in his life. And he's been able to build what he's built based on the struggles that he's got, you know? And that's why the people that I recruit that I hire is kind of like, I want the, I want the guys who have nothing. Right. I want the, I want the guys and guys and, and girls too. Like I want the people that have that chip on their shoulder, the people that have been looked over, the people that have literally suffered and lost everything. The people that don't have anything. Those are the people that I'm going to recruit. I will pay for your licensing. I will give you clients like Mitch, you, you can probably attest to this. Like I've given you clients. I've, given you opportunities and I've pretty much like given up plenty of business simply because I want my people to win. You know what I mean? And it's because again, not as in a handout type of way, but as in a way as I like, dude, like I'm here with you, bro. Like we're here together. Like just, just give me the loyalty that I'm giving you and we will win together. That's it. That's yeah. it, bro. You know? So that's that, that, that was, that was my biggest struggle last year. And all these past years is to be able to actually, hire quote-unquote recruit a team like a solid loyal team because the problem that happens in my industry there's other companies that will pay more commission for sure you know there's other companies that will give you actual leads that you can buy yeah absolutely go for it you know i'm not looking for someone that can be poached on compensation right you know what i'm saying like mitch said it himself like he said it if even if I was getting paid ten percent commission, which is not, but even if he was getting paid ten percent commission, he would not go anywhere. Right. And it's because we have that brotherhood. It's because we're like we're we're boys. It's like deeper than just the transaction. Hell yeah, yeah. dude. It's not about the money, bro. It's like the 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 in my in my opinion, the way that I look at it is like if if it's about the money, your heart's in the wrong place. Right. And you're gonna you're gonna end up betraying me for more money anyways. You know, like your values and your integrity is not where it's supposed to be. Because the way I design my policies for my clients, I'm already cutting my commissions by 70%. Really? Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm cutting my commissions by 70%. Most agents will not do that. And that's why you hear horror stories about IULs. And that's why you hear all these TikTok guru idiots that say oh IULs are super expensive they're super loaded with commissions like where what's a, where not, dude not to interrupt but what's IUL just in case anybody yeah IUL is infinite uh, sorry not infinite IUL is an index universal life insurance policy that is used for infinite banking okay it's, it's what I use is one of my favorite vehicles out there it's it's honestly one of the best ways to use infinite banking over um whole life and that's the issue bro like you go on TikTok and you try to like look up IUL and everybody's going to talk about like how it's a scam because everybody says the fees are super high. They don't perform. Uh, agent is taking most of the commission. And every time I see that, I'm like, bitch, where? Yeah. Like, look at my fucking, look at my statements. Like I will show you every policy that I write. I make l almost no money compared to how much money I could make. Dude, yeah. dude, I am telling you, bro. I could be making so much more money if I was designing these policies like 90% of these agents out here, bro. It is ridiculous. You know what I mean? So that's why I always say, I always tell people every time I have a hiring interview, every time I, I'm, I'm talking to someone that wants to join the business, I always say, hey, I got a very important question for you. Are you trying to make money now or are you trying to build a career for a lifetime? Yeah, it's a big difference, huh? Yeah, dude. If you want to make money now, go work at FFL. Go join FFL. Go buy their leads that are going to be recycled, and then just go try to make it over there. You know, if you want to make, if you want to have a career of a lifetime, you want to join a team that's going to have your back for life, then you can join us. We're not many, but we matter. Right. And we're strong together. That's it. One of the things that I like that you brought up, bro, that kind of just stuck with my mind is like you were saying how when you're recruiting, when you're looking to pe hire people, you look for people who've been through like that struggle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And 
would you say a, a big part of that is because you know like the people who have been through that struggle like they're not gonna turn their back on you they're, dude 100 like, percent, bro because it's like uh i've heard somebody say this i can't remember who but they were saying like you're i i guess like once you what's your motivation i guess they were saying is like if you get money like is that gonna be it for you like oh i got a little bit of money now i'm cool right or is it like is your motivation something deeper than that you know exactly man and this is what i'll tell you too man because i have been the guy i have been the guy that has has struggled and has been loyal to the end like you can ask my boy aj like aj i don't know if you'll see this i hope you see this but my boy aj he he's the guy that actually <laughs> recruited me into the company that i am with today but me and him worked together at American Income Life. And he was one of the only friends that I had that actually we connected with to this day, bro. Like, it's just like my loyalty does not waver. Gotcha. Yeah. My loyalty does not waver, bro. I have, I am getting, trying to get poached constantly by all these companies. They always say, dude, we can give you 150% commission. We can give you all this. We can give you that. It's like, hey, cool. Money is not that important to me. Right. I know how to make money. I have plenty of deals that are going to make me money. I am loyal to my people. Right. That's it. What are some other things that you look for in people, bro? I like I like that you brought you brought that up as far as like some of the stuff you look for in people. What else outside of the, the struggle that you look for? Yeah. Bro? So my the biggest thing that I look for is this, man. When it comes to people's integrity and people's choices, I always look for people. I, I want to be able to see what are their back, what, what's their backbone made out of. Yeah. Meaning, let me refer, let me say this. If you have a guy that has the opportunity to do something bad, most of the time they will not do something bad, like cheat. Right. Right. They won't cheat because they'll get caught. Now, here's the thing. If you know that you wouldn't get caught, most people will cheat. Right. I got, I got, I you got, see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's like it's that temptation. If you know for a fact you're not going to get caught and you can get away with it, that is where integrity comes into place. And we are put into positions that we can do that all the time, bro. And this is, dude, evil, you are not born evil, right? What happens is... And it's, it's kind of crazy because the movie Nefarious, I don't know if you've seen it. In the movie Nefarious, the guy who's the demon kind of talks about this. It's like people are not born evil, but there is a trail. And it starts with stealing that piece of candy from the fucking grocery store when you're six years old or seven. And it starts like, it's like actions. The more you get away with stuff that are bad the more like twisted your integrity becomes, right? So that's why I want to see what kind of people are. You know, I want to see how they treat their servers. I want to see how they talk to their moms. I want to see like how they tip. That's the biggest, bro. That's the biggest thing for me, bro. I want to see how people tip. Mm -hmm. I tip very generously, bro. Even if I don't have it, bro, I don't care, man. I'm going to tip that. Obviously, if the service is trash, I'm not going to tip that yeah. well, right? But I'm still going to tip like 18 to 20%. But if the service is great, sometimes I'll tip 50 to 100%, you know? Uh, that's that's one of the things that I, I, I look for. I look for people's values and integrity. Like, how are, how are you treating other people? And when nobody's looking, are you the same type of person or are you different? When the camera's on, anybody can be anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's when the cameras are off, like, how are you treating other people? How are you behaving? Like, are you are you still waking up when you say you're waking up? Are you still going to the gym, perfect attendance? Are you still, like, eating the way you're eating? Are you still calling your mom? Are you still, like, going to charity? Because, again, you know, me and Mitch are going to start doing some, some content regarding charity and donation not because we want to be like hey look how cool we are but it's mainly going to be just for to encourage other people to actually do it right, right. but cameras off like we'd still be doing the same thing i've been tithing to back to my church for the three to four years that i've been going and i know people are going to say oh but like the churches keep all the money look man I know where the, my money from my from my church is going. I know that they're going to humanitarian missions. I know they're going to take care of the homeless people. I know they go to to feed the starving children. I know exactly where that money is going for. 
Okay, so that's why I keep doing it. I keep, I also donate to St. Jude, Jude's Children's Hospital, and I've been doing that for a, for a while. So it's not really about the camera, but it's like who you are behind the camera and when nobody's looking, that's what matters, bro. There's uh, something that you're saying, bro. I feel like that's like tying in to a lot of these different points, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot the past few months is karma. And I'm curious yeah. to to get your, you know, your take on it, man, because a lot of the stuff you talk about, I feel like kind of relates to karma. And it's something that I've been trying to work on myself, bro, is like, what's my intent with everything that I do? And like, even yeah. if no one's looking, because I feel like personally for me, I feel like every action that you take has a, re a reaction and like whether or not you want to believe it or not, like karma is a real yeah. ass thing, bro. So what, well, what's your take on karma? Bro? Yeah. So it's, it's great that you asked me that, you know, I was actually on the car with Artie uh, today, actually heading back home after the gym. And one of my boys, uh, Dylan, Dylan Pollard, you should have him on the podcast, by the way. He's, Absolutely. Yeah. He's an amazing human being. He's got me to where I am today with my faith and my relationship with Christ in such a level that I, I can't even describe it. Anyways, he sent me a video today. It hit me super hard because most people do things out of fear. Yeah, yeah. Including karma, right? Most people say like, oh, I just don't want bad karma. That's fair. Even with Christians, most people are afraid to disobey God, right? And that's cool. But when you love God in such a deep way, that it would hurt you to disappoint him? That's a different thing. Dude, that's a different level of integrity and good heart and just good spirit. You know, you know, something just came to my mind. I like how you brought that up. It's like, it's like if let's just say you're at the mall. This is like how I would describe what you just said. It's like if you're at the mall and a dude goes and takes an old lady's purse. That's the difference between like someone who's operating out of fear, just being like, oh, like I would never do that. Like, oh, like shame on him. And then the person who's operating out of love is going to go fucking run after him and yep. beat his ass and take his fucking purse. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the difference. Right 100%, there. man. That's the thing. It's like, and look, it's not even really just about being a hero, right? But it's about just doing the, doing the good thing is always going to be the good thing. The right thing, right? Like doing the right thing is always going to be the right thing. Doing the wrong thing is always going to be the wrong thing, right? But going back to karma, it's like most people are afraid of bad karma, but once you operate out of goodness, it's like, let's start chasing the good karma. Like, what what are good things that you can do that are not going to be just of any monetary value or any type of egocentric, like, experience or outcome? It's more of, like, just out of the goodness of your heart. You know, that's why I say it's like, I don't, I don't do things because or I don't do, I don't not do things out of fear that God will punish me. Say that I, again. Say that again. I don't not do things out of fear that God will punish me. I don't do certain things because I do not want to disappoint him. Because I love God so much. That's awesome, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that that's that's what it it comes down to and I think God has has been blessing me in in my family and my my people in such a way that it's just confirmation. You know, you can call it good karma if you will, but it's it's about stewardship. And I preach this all the time. Once you do things as if you were the steward or as you as if you were the treasurer of God's wealth, whatever that looks like, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, doesn't matter. If you act in accordance to God, in accordance to the universe, in accordance to stewardship, everything else will fall in line because you will be given more out of straight abundance. Right. There's a there's a there's this thing called universal laws that I I became aware of like a few years back, and there's a law that states it's called the law of a uh, cause and effect i think yep and it there's a piece in there that i found very very interesting and it says that you're going to get basically um compensated or it's called the law of compensation and it says you're going to get compensated for everything that you do but you, you could be compensated in a million different forms not yeah. just money exactly. so you brought up something that i thought that was that was interesting it's like you know when you're doing like these good deeds or whatever it is you're doing like you you might not be compensated 
monetarily. Maybe it's through a friendship. Maybe it's through maybe it's through a loss. Yeah. That you learn something from. You know what I'm saying? Man, you know it's it's a it's an interesting um, and it's an interesting topic you bring because the way that I see it is this, man. I used to think when I pray to God or like what success looks to me is getting deals and you know closing a bunch of business and making all this money, right? And it wasn't until recently it, that I started to realize my wealth does not come only from money, right? So let me explain. Every morning that I wake up, right, I go outside. I mean, I've been doing this for about a month. That's why I'm a little tan, right? Every morning I Looking go. Looking good, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm still trying to work on it a little bit, right? But every morning I go outside just in my drawers, barefooted, and I lay on the grass, for 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, soaking in the sun. And I just like automatically, my brain starts to go into a gratitude mode. And I start to realize, dude, like my brother, my little brother, he's here with me. Like he's alive. That's dope. And we have a very tight relationship that it's just getting better. Like I won. My mom, she's alive and well. She's getting in shape. She's starting to become happy again. Like, Dude, I won. Yeah. My mom's alive, bro. My grandma. You know, I've had I've had the blessing and the opportunity to be able to stay with her for the past month and a half or so, taking care of her and just like spending time with her. Dude, I won. Like I I won, bro. God can take my business from me, like he can empty out my bank accounts, like every he can take everything from me. And as long as I wake up the next day and my family's still there, bro. And I have all my limbs. I have no diseases, no nothing. But I won, bro. That's like, it, man. And people don't get it. Like, they really don't get it. Like, and I, I, I understand why they don't get it. Because when your bank account is low and you're struggling to pay bills, I understand that it, it's a tough situation to be in. I've been in that position, I like, not too long ago, bro. And it sucks. It's hard as fuck. To be grateful at that time. It's it's super hard to just be in a position of like, dude, at least I got my family. I get it, man. But at the end of the day, I think that if we're not grateful for those moments when our family is here, when the money comes, because it will eventually. If you, if you don't quit in whatever you're doing, if you don't quit, the money, the money will eventually come just out of sheer stubbornness. And when that money comes, if your family is gone, like ima imagine, I always still, I always say this, right? I, and I actually have done this exercise many times. I do what is called reverse visualization, which is I don't visualize the life that I want. I visualize the life that I don't want. And my point being is I visualize myself getting this money. And within a two to three week span, I lose the three people that I love the most. And the rest of my family become, or they, they go into a catatonic, depressive state. And my life has no meaning because I've lost everybody in my life that, that was important to me. And that right there, bro, it's like when you actually sit down and have a specific soundtrack that I use to imagine this. When you do that, it, it's very painful. I cry. Like I'm literally like tears down my face, just fucking like sobbing, you know, because I see it. I imagine it. And people are going to say, that's stupid. That's you're, you're just attracting that. It's like, no, I'm not, bro. I'm not attracting that. I'm just putting my mind in a position that if it happens anytime soon, which God forbid, where, where's the wood, bro? God forbid it happens, right? I will have at least spent the next X amount of days that I have with those people present and grateful for them being alive. And every day that I wake up, that I pick up the phone, that I can call my mom, that I can call my brother, that I can see my grandma, dude, I am happy as fuck, bro. Bro, that's 
man, everything you just said, bro, is fire. And I think it's it comes down to perspective, bro. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a lot of what you're talking about. Actually, it was so hard, bro. It was so hard for me to get to this point. I'm telling you, bro, it's been almost a decade. A decade in the fucking making. It, it, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not I, had easy. A, I had a buddy of mine, bro. Um, I sent him, like, some posts about, like, LGBT community. Whatever, bro. Yeah. That doesn't matter. But he, he asked me, he was like, bro, if you had six weeks to live... Like, where would you put your focus? Like, what would you care about? And he asked me that, and I took, like, a few days. I, it was, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, damn, bro, if I if I really did have six weeks to live, like, what would I care about? What would I focus on? Yeah. And it, I feel like just that, that perspective, man, it really, like, it's kind of like what you're saying, bro. It really puts you in, like, that, I guess it's kind of just being present in the moment and really understanding what matters and what doesn't, you know? Yeah, and people don't, I don't think people understand, what, like, how presence, like, works, really. And it's like, for example, I'm sitting right now and I'm looking at you, but I see my brother here and I see Mitch over there and I know Che is somewhere over there too, mm. right? So I know because I feel their presence, right? I don't see them specifically where they're at, right? When I'm looking at you, but I know they're there mm. and, they're, and I'm present with them, you know? So I feel like when people think about presence, they feel like they just have to put their phone down and just like look at the person. It's like, yes, but no. It's like you have to like like feel their energy like in the room with you, you know, their heartbeat, like their warmth. Like, like, dude, like they have every single one of their limbs with, with them. You know, they're looking at you because they can see through their eyes, you know. And I think that be, like people usually don't don't understand what presence really means. And that's why they kind of overlook it. And they said, like, oh, it's kind of hard for me to be present. It's like, I get it. I get it. But I promise, man, it's like perspective is, is so huge. And look, man, if, if you don't, if you don't learn to be grateful for what you currently have right now, unfortunately, life will teach you the pain of regret. And regret is one of the hardest fucking things you can ever go through i go through it so much through the early years that this kid was around me that was that looked up to me that was just i was i was his hero when it, when he was younger and i neglected him like for the longest time i didn't spend any time with him i just i kind of was like oh whatever he'll figure it out he's just a kid whatever and i wish i wish i would have spent more time with him bro because we would have had such a better relationship like sooner and I can tell now, bro, though, like, you you care, like, you, at least now, like, I can tell yeah. how much you care, bro, and it's, it's fucking, it's dope. I love him, bro. Yeah, it's dope to see, man, for for real. I love this guy, man. He's, he's one of my best friends, dude. He's just, you know. That's one of my, bro, that's one of my, like, I guess, goals as far as, like, any kind of content I do, anything like that is, I remember being younger, and I remember, like, those struggles, bro, yeah. and for me, like, what helped me out a lot was, like, going on the internet and being able to like see older older dudes put out content and I'm like oh shit like that resonates with me and like I learned so much through that um let's talk about like your content bro like yeah, man. when you started putting out when did you start putting out content cuz i uh the past few days ever since i i knew we were going to do a podcast i've been watching some of your stuff man and it's i resonate with a lot of yeah. it bro and uh, I'm, I'm curious like when you started it yeah actually i really really started it like going heavy on it i think it was back in 2020 2019 that's a long time yeah it is it, and i was being very consistent i used to have maybe like three thousand followers something like that and dude i'll be honest man i i did the whole thing of like promos and just um engagement campaigns and stuff dude, there was a time bro i gained like maybe like 50k followers like overnight because i got kind of like bamboozled into one of these deals it's like yeah we'll get your organic followers and you know we'll post you here and there and i was like oh shit sounds good like why not you know i paid for it and then my engagement tanked yeah because i had a bunch of fake followers dude so i spent i'm not kidding bro maybe like a year two years just like deleting followers uh trying to figure out a way to just clean out my following and thank god like instagram came out with that update where they were like pretty much removing inactive and botted accounts and they they pretty much like nuked half of my following which i was grateful for because i don't want people to think that i'm this big shot and i and you know my engagement doesn't match you know right yeah so you can always tell when you see stuff like that. yeah like, bro all right what's going on here? yeah exactly that's why like you know the engagement that i have is real and you know i shout out to mattio matt matt he's a he's a guy from uh from Miami he's he's essentially like helped me a lot like boost with my my engagement with like organic just 
just people, you know, and and that's why my following has continued to take off. My my videos have I've been on the explore page a few times already, and but the biggest thing is just consistency, man. And I know we we say it all the time, but I'll tell you this, man. It's not just about like just posting. I think you have to care more about like how you post and what you post. I I, I don't agree with Gary V where he says that you just got to post like 17 million times a day. Just grab your phone and just like do it. And I don't think it's like accurate because like, yeah, you can post that. But how many times we've seen a video that, that was literally filmed on an Android that has maybe like a little bit of like grainy film or like blurry camera. And we just like scroll, you know, and we don't interact with that shit. And maybe whatever that person was going to say was something fire. Yeah, you know, but it's like, dude, the quality of the content matters a lot more, bro. I, I think agree with you. The, the 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 type of world that we live in now, it's not about quantity anymore. I think it's it's a lot more about quality as Mr. well. I heard a little video from Mr. Beast. He was actually talking about that. Just a little side note. He was saying how, because obviously he's a huge YouTuber, the biggest, and he was saying you're better off taking a month to make one video, yeah. than like trying to make thirty videos in a month. You know? Yeah, it makes no sense. But like look, like me and Che have been working on on starting our YouTube channel for the past like what is it now? Like two, three weeks now, I think it is. And I got like what, like twelve videos ready to draw, bro. But it's like, dude, like I wanna do this right. You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna just like fucking post, you know, whatever, just to feed the content gods or the algorithm yeah. gods. You know, it's just like I'm gonna do it right, bro. It's like you you gotta really focus on your brand a lot. And I just don't want people to think that I'm sloppy because if I'm sloppy in my content, that means that I'm sloppy in my work. If I'm sloppy in my fitness, I'm sloppy in my work, you know? If I'm sloppy in my word, I'm also sloppy in my work. Yeah. In everything that I do, I, I, I do my best to be immaculate with it. Did you have any um like struggles, man, as far as like putting out content? Because I know I, I did a little bit as far as like, uh, you know, like just putting yourself out there, you know? Did you have to like... You know... Or did it just kind of come natural to you? Dude, at first, I looked corny as fuck, bro. <laughs> I feel like, man, I feel like everybody does, like... Yeah, man. Part, like, you Dude, know what I'm saying? Uh, it was weird, man, because, like, I was like, fuck, I don't like the way I sound. You know, like, because, like, I don't know if you've ever had it. Like, when you've never heard your voice recording and you first hear it, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What is this shit, yeah. bro? Like, turn it off. Yeah. You know? But... So I, I make music or Oh you do? I, I used to make music. Okay. I, I'm not active anymore, but yeah, I've been making music since two thousand fourteen, something like that. So I did a couple of shows where I performed in front of other people. So I kinda had that like I guess thing where I was not super camera shy. Yeah. Just because I put myself in a position where I had to do it in front of other people, you know? So when I started, like, yeah, it seemed a little corny because I was doing the TikTok transitions and shit, but I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll figure it out. I'll just get better as time goes by. And, you know, now, like, you can ask Shay or Mitch. It's like every time he points a camera at me, it's like, boom, off the cuff, on the fly, we're good to go. One take only, you know? Bro, I feel like I heard, I was listening to a different podcast, but I heard someone say this and I really agree with it. He was like, you got to be able to, like, be the front man of whatever it is you're doing so like i got like i got my real estate license a little bit ago and one thing i learned about it was like you have to be able to put yourself out there bro and like it doesn't matter what you're trying to sell whether you're trying to sell real estate or life insurance or you want to start x whatever it is man like you got to be able to get on camera and talk and like people buy from people yeah in today's day and age so yeah man i just think it's important to try to do it somehow you know Exactly, man. I think, well, the reason why I've been able to build such a brand is because everywhere I go, I talk about infinite banking, you know, it's like, and it's funny you say you're, you're, you're in real estate because the best clients that I have are in real estate because the biggest thing that comes down to infinite banking is the biggest solution that it's solving is how do you invest your money passively while still having access to it actively to invest in other stuff that makes sense you know what i'm saying yeah like because when you buy a house you're kind of like tying up your cash into the equity of the house right and usually if you want to pull out the equity you you have to go through underwriting it takes a little bit it, it does a credit check and then you got to repay it back and stuff so i was like okay look if i can solve that issue where like people can still invest into real estate but still have access to the money available that's still growing in a different asset that's a double that, that that's a double whatever double whammy you yeah. know because that's that's the way the infinite banking works and that's why and again i put myself out there like you said i just like i talk about infinite, infinite banking all the time i show the numbers and i put my, my money where my mouth is right 
You know, I have one of these accounts myself too, and that's the thing, dude. Is like people have to, yeah, they have to put themselves out there. Yeah, bro. Um, to transition just a little bit, I know you're into fitness and stuff like that. That's that's. I mean, this is called the Real Fit Podcast. So yes, obviously, sir. I'm I'm all about fitness. But uh, how is fitness like helped you in business, bro? Because I, I heard um <laughs> I heard somebody say this, bro, and I I really resonated with with it. He said like if I had to pick between business or fitness. I would take fitness all day long because once you get your health and your fitness in order, everything, everything. Happens. So yeah, talk about that, bro. Like, how has your fitness journey helped you in business, man? Sorry, no, you're good, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. So tell me, brother, gotta get the coffee. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, bro. I, I'm, I got the Celsius yeah. right here, um, dude. Fitness has been a life changing uh, journey for me. Uh, I don't have a six pack, obviously. Like people that are probably seeing, they're seeing like the little pudginess here. Um, but I'll tell you this, man. You're strong, bro. You're a strong dude. I saw I saw a video on your IG. You were lifting like fucking three fifteen. Yeah, you were yeah. Benching three fifteen. That's that's yeah. for reps. That's, that's right there. It's bench and it's for reps. Okay. It's not... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. So I, I have an I have an amazing coach, uh, Iron Blood Diablo. That's what he goes by on Instagram. His name is Leon. He's Leon Bradford, one of the best freaking coaches on earth, in my opinion. He has, dude. He has helped me so much. Uh, one of the best physiques I ever had. It was like literally like almost like a year ago. I was 255. I was like 18, 17% body fat. I was stacked. Yeah. I was strong as fuck. I was, I was pretty lean. I was big. I was bulky. It was amazing. But anyways, uh, my fitness has helped me a lot because back in 2017, I hit my rock bottom in health. Okay. I was 375 pounds, something like that, I think. And and that's when I weighed myself after I started like my weight loss journey. I think like the heaviest I had was probably closer to 380s, 390s. I was so fucking fat, bro. We've all been there at some point. It was, I was fat, yeah. bro. Fat as fuck. And I'll tell you this, man. Grego Gallagher, I found Grego Gallagher's content back in 2017, and I started doing the aggressive fat loss program, the intermittent fasting. To this day, I still intermittent fast. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, uh, I lost 120 pounds in like 10 months or something like that. For real, bro? Yeah, I swear to God, bro. Damn, that's that's a lot. That's a quick way to do it. For yeah, sure. and I kept and, it off, dude. Yeah, that, that, and that's the biggest thing too. Yeah, it's, I kept it off, not just losing it, but keeping it. Yeah, because I, I went, yeah, I went from like two, like three seventy five to two fifty five, and then I bulked up to like two ninety, and then I've been teeter tottering from two ninety to two fifty five, and you know now I started to dabble into some peptides. Um, with Anthony and Will, like, uh, Will's a clinic. Okay. And, you know, now I'm, I'm really dialing it in. Like my goal is to get to like 230, 240, like lean at like 14% body fat. I've already lost like 10 pounds this past couple of weeks and, and, but still like working on my body comp as well. So I don't lose too much muscle at the same time, Right. you know? So, but yeah, my goal is to get to 230, 240. And then eventually still keep it at 14% body fat, but then bulk up to like 280. Okay. You know, but still keep it at 14% at body fat, you know? So to answer your question, how has fitness affected my life? It's been so great because uh, Andy Elliott is right, dude. When, you, when he says that, when he says that if you're fit, you know, and you look good, people will want to do business with people that are healthy. 100%. Because if you take your health serious, right? If I'm so disciplined with my health and my fitness and I don't miss, I'm perfect attendance, how do you think I'm going to act when it comes to business? Like, I'm going to take care of you the same way I take care of my body. Facts, bro. I mean, it's, bro, like your diet and your, you know, your training and stuff is probably the hardest thing to stay disciplined yeah. with because it's like, dude, man, constant struggle, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. That's why I had to get on that, on the flex pro meals. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I started oh, getting like on that the, the pre-made meals and stuff. Yeah, it's because I I just can't make time to eat to like cook, bro. Bro, it's the worst, man. Like for me, I'm kind of like a smaller guy. Like yeah. I, like my whole thing was like I had to get bigger because like in high school and shit, I was super skinny. I was yeah. like six foot two, 160 pounds. Damn, bro. So yeah, so for me, it's like that's the biggest struggle is fucking eating, bro. So yeah, See, it's not a struggle for me, bro. Like I I keep getting I, I give Mitch a, a lot of shit too because I'm like, man, you better start eating more, bro. Like make me look like a fat ass, bro. Cause I can. I can eat bro i can i can a thousand percent eat and but i because i tried the hello fresh thing before 
Where you HelloFresh? Oh, I never heard of it. It's like oh, a subscri- okay. subscription package where they send you food and stuff. And I just great service, but I just couldn't do it. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't get the time to actually start cooking and eating. So that's why I'm super glad that I found Flex Pro Meals. And by the way, this is not a sponsored uh, segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like giving praise words to. So yeah, I started doing Flex Pro Meals and just it's so easy, bro. I just like pop it in the microwave, eat it, and that's it. Well, shit, man. We're going to have to get a workout in sometime, bro. Bro, let me you're know, bro. You're on the uh, east side, right? East side. Yeah, but I can come through any, anywhere, bro. I got the I got the EOS black card. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, I'm my lifetime, so if you ever... Uh, oh, I'd actually, love to work out a lifetime. There's a dope uh, bodybuilding gym right over here that I've been going to recently. So if you ever want to get in there, bro, they do like they have like power, lift, power lifters there and stuff. So yeah, man, let's definitely... Hell yeah, bro. Dude, my big thing is this. Lift heavy weight for a lot of reps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's that's really all it is, man. So, uh, but that's that's all I got today, bro. I, I really do appreciate you coming out. It was dope to get to know you, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you as well. We'll have to have you on our podcast too whenever we launch it. Okay, you started. And, uh, up. I was I was actually gonna bring that up. I was like, you should start a podcast, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. You- I'm gonna start my podcast. I finally got a name down. It's gonna be called Wolf Unbound. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I like yeah, it. I like yeah, it. Dude, that's dope. a man. You you got a. Uh, you got you got the name right, bro. That, that's I appreciate sure. yeah. that. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. cool, man. Well, that's all I got for this week, brother. This is like the I think episode thirty nine. So, thirty nine. Uh, Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, man. So we're gonna keep doing this every week, bro. Um, Let me know how I can help to promote it or just help you grow in the podcast, man. Yeah, just, brother. Love to be yeah, it, it, today was dope, man. A lot, a lot of insight, a lot of um, a lot of knowledge dropped today, bro. So I appreciate you, man. And Thanks, uh, man. I'll definitely have you on again in the future. Please let me know, man. I, I love talking, and as you can see, like I don't shut up. But, uh, <laughs> hey, that's love good for the podcast. Back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. That's it for this week, man. Much love and uh, peace out. We'll see you guys. How you feel? Trying to keep it real. Climbing up the hill. Trying to get a deal. Trying to get a meal. Hungry on the beat. Hungry so I eat. And I don't know the feet. I only know the heat. I only know the grind. I only know the sweet. Yo, I miss sweat. I only know the best. That's up on my chest. I only know the reps. I only know what's next. Nothing more, nothing less. Watch your name. Watch your name.